Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Metabolic Classroom, a nutrition and lifestyle podcast focused on the truth behind why we get sick and fat. What you are about to hear was taken from a live podcast streamed on InsulinIQ.com and hosted by InsulinIQ co-founder Jack Hadley. The Metabolic Classroom is brought to you by InsulinIQ and Health Code Meal Replacement Shakes. This last week, Dr. Bickman posted a short video on Instagram and titled it, Low Carb Diets and Insulin Resistance. He prefaced the video by saying, there is so much debate regarding the best diet. This is a preview of a study that explored the efficacy of a low fat versus low carb diet in people depending on their insulin resistance status. A simple takeaway, anyone can lose weight on a low carb diet, but only insulin-sensitive people will lose weight on a low-fat diet. On Dr. Bickman's Instagram page, uh, in one of the posts that he did last week, we had a comment, and it's uh, from a guy that we know who's a, a very, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, he's um, a very thoughtful and very smart guy in this space. And and he challenged us a little bit. And yeah. we like challenges. Oh, yeah. And so we decided that we're going to address his concerns. And it's because we want you to know we're not afraid to answer any question. I mean, if yeah. we're wrong, we're wrong, right? Yeah. We just say yeah. we're wrong. Like, no big deal. But let me read this to you. If it's on screen, you read along with me. Uh, ben, I assume that you've seen the Diet Fits study, partly founded by Tobbs, which directly compared low-fat versus low-carb and stratified for insulin sensitivity based on a glucose challenge. No difference in fat loss were seen. Insulin had no predicting ability for the volume of fat loss. I agree with you that if you're insulin resistant, low or lower carb is a great option. But to suggest that people who choose to follow a low-fat diet for weight loss won't be successful if they're insulin resistant is not sufficiently supported by the weight of scientific literature. And frankly, it's completely misleading. When you put your bias will you, when will you put your biases aside Ooh. and start <laughs> ouch. When will you put your biases aside 
and start to let the data guide you. You love keto, great, but your knowledge is only supporting your echo chamber. Time to expand it. Yeah. So, so we like, hey, no problem, man. If you want to challenge us, please do it. We're happy to do it. And in this case, we're just going to talk about it. So Ben is prepared a little bit. I'm going to turn the time over to Ben. We're going to have a little discussion. Yeah. So that comment is based on the study I shared on my Instagram um, channel, page, account, account, um, which was itself an analysis of a study called the A to Z study. And, and we'll get into, we'll compare two general studies. Um, that comment is, uh, you know, a, a call to weigh the sum of all evidence. And that is most assuredly what I do. Rest assured. I'm not going to, I don't come to conclusions lightly, especially the conclusion that if someone is insulin resistant, a low carbohydrate diet is superior. I appreciate that the commenter acknowledges that, but then goes on to say the sum of data doesn't support it. Um, Let's look. So the Diet Fits study is a study published um, recently in the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA. Let me just let our audience know. We're going to have our team paste the links into the stream so that if you want to pull up those studies and follow along, uh, we have those links. And I think Parker is going to flash some pictures of it so you'll see the titles. So that's the Diet Fit study. And what we can do is compare that with a study that had been done about 10 years before that one, actually with some of the same people at Stanford. So there are a lot of really great similarities here that help us wipe out some confounding variables potentially. It's at the same school same general population, in fact, many of the same scientists. And they also recruited the same way in these two studies, the A to Z study and the diet fit study. They had similar age, similar ethnicity, similar body mass index or BMI, so body size. So they controlled, um, well, two separate studies, but a lot of these confounding variables were just eliminated right from the get-go. So the diet fit study showed that whether they put people on a low-fat diet or a low-carbohydrate diet, there was really no clinical differences across all the, all, the, all the study subjects. In contrast, the A to Z study found stark differences. And the A to Z study is fascinating because they compared four different diets. The Atkins diet, the Zone diet, the Ornish diet, and the LEARN diet, L-E-A-R-N, it's an acronym, the LEARN diet, those four diets. And they differ in the ratio of, of, of with macronutrients with regards to carbohydrates and fats. Now, they both were about uh, 12 months in, in, in length, so that was a similarity across the studies. And I already mentioned that the overall uh, population of, this, of the study subjects was very similar. Now, the diet, however, is quite different. And that's what I, I kind of resent uh, people, you know, well, using terms incorrectly. Unfortunately, there's a lot of ambiguity with regards to what some might call a low-carbohydrate diet. For example, the A to Z study, that was the study that was done in the late, um, uh, about 10 years prior to the diet fit study. The low-carb diet group had at the most, over the length of the study, was 50 grams of carbohydrates per day. It started at 20 grams of carbohydrates, and then it went to 50 grams of carbohydrates. In contrast, the diet fit study, they, the group started at 100 grams of carbohydrates, and by the end of the study, it was up to uh, over 130 grams of carbohydrates per day. 
Yeah. That's quite a difference. Let me just jump in here, Ben, and, and talk about that a little bit. What does it do to insulin's mechanisms when you're dealing, when you're calling that a low carbohydrate environment? What, what's insulin's response with that kind of carbohydrate load in the body? Yeah, of course, if it's, it's two to three times higher in the diet fit study, the amount of carbohydrates per day, than it is in the A to Z study. It stands to reason that insulin's going to be elevated two to three times more. Right. Yeah, you, I mean, it actually would be probably higher than that, frankly, because right. it's not one-to-one. -one. Yeah, and as you've taught us, insulin is a, is a key player in stimulating your body's fat cells to store energy in the form of fat. So yep. the more carbohydrates you have, the more insulin and the more uh, weight you're going to store. And it's body's efficient mechanism to do that. And uh, when, I, when I read this study... Um, the Diet Fit study. The, the Diet Fit study, I commented to Ben, I said, with the students that we have at Insulin IQ, that would not be considered a low-carbohydrate uh, diet, and this wouldn't even qualify as a successful attempt at uh, being a low-carb, high-fat nutrition. Low-carb, high-fat nutrition. Yep. So I, I wish they would have defined how they arrived at their carbohydrate level because those are levels far above what I tell my patients. When my patients have diabetes, I tell them a prescription is low-carb. It, it's like medicine because I don't see any effects on their blood sugars, the type 2 diabetics, when they're eating 100-plus grams of, of carbohydrates a day. They still need just as much medicine. They need significantly less carbohydrates to improve their blood yep. sugar control. Yep. So I, I, I already have a problem with how they design their study. Yeah, so a huge difference in the carbohydrate load that each group is getting. Now, I should add, the A to Z study itself didn't look at insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity as a split with regards to the study population. That was a follow-up study that was published a few years after, which then took the A to Z data and then explored inherent differences with insulin. Now... The insulin is another variable. So the first one is the amount of carbohydrates vary greatly. And what was called a low-carbohydrate diet in the diet fit study by any, by any definition would not be low-carbohydrate. It, it, it would be lower, lower-carbohydrate. But they were eating up to 130 grams per day. The low-fat, high-carbohydrate group was eating 240 grams per day. So a difference of only 110 grams of, of carbohydrate is what defined the, the low-fat and, and the low carb, that to me is a little that, too skewed. That's a few pieces of bread a day. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one difference, the carbohydrate load itself. Second, the way they looked at insulin. So the diet fit study, actually, when they were splitting the group up with regards to insulin sensitivity, they were looking at, as the comment noted, um, what they were actually looking at was something called the insulin at 30 minutes. In contrast, the A to Z post hoc analysis paper, they looked at fasting insulin levels. Now, it would be debatable which one is an actual marker of insulin resistance. I actually would lean on the fasting insulin personally. The 30-minute 30 30 insulin is interesting, but when you don't have the subsequent time points, you can't determine either a, what's called the Hayashi method or the Kraft method to determine insulin resistance. Those have to be multi-point measurements over two to three hours, this was a one-time measurement of insulin at 30 minutes. And they looked at that insulin at 30 minutes measurement to say, well, did, is, did someone with a high insulin response respond better to, to the low-fat or the low-carb diet or the low-insulin response as opposed to the A to Z analysis? They just said, we looked at people based on their fasting insulin. 
The people with high fasting insulin were considered insulin resistant. The people with low fasting insulin were considered insulin sensitive. And that's the study that noticed the difference. But in DietFits, we didn't know their condition prior to taking that glucose challenge and measuring their insulin response. No. There could be wide variables. Some people could have been fasting. Some people could have just eaten. Yep. Now, another point of interest. Um, In the DietFits study, the amount of carbohydrates as a percent of calories was about 30%. So 30% of their calories were coming from carbohydrates. That's not particularly low carb. In the A to Z study, it's interesting to note because one of the diets actually matched that perfectly, and that was the zone diet. So in the A to Z study, the zone diet was 30% carbohydrate, just like what was called the low-carbohydrate diet in the diet fit study. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? And when so you would need to compare the diet fits low carb study to the A to Z zone diet. And it's interesting because the zone diet, which was 30% carbohydrates, had no significant weight difference. Parker, I'm not sure if you can even zoom in. Are you able to zoom in on this from where you are? Anyway, on this figure, I'll, I'll just narrate it. Parker, don't bother. I'll just sort of talk you through it. The zone diet did not have a significant change in body it's weight. figure two of the study when we yeah. post it. Yep. The Atkins diet, or the low-carb diet, did. And so this, once again, we were sort of challenged with regards to how we compare the carbohydrates. But I'd intended to leave that topic. The insulin, how they measured insulin and insulin resistance, differed between these studies. And I strongly contend fasting insulin is a better marker than just insulin at 30 minutes of insulin sensitivity and insulin resistance. If insulin at 30 minutes had been matched with other measurements at 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 120 minutes, and so on, then that would be more useful, perhaps, than fasting insulin. But as it is, it's hard to compare them. Now, there were a lot of other things that were similar, the way they coached the people through the groups, uh, through the diet, how they how they measured the adherence to the diet. All that was still pretty similar, not surprising, because it's the same group of scientists, it's at the same institution. But I think those two key variables are what explains the, dif- the differences in these studies. One, the diet fit study had significantly more carbohydrate, and by, by almost no definition would be considered low carbohydrate. And the way they measured insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity was also different. Um, once ag- so again, to confirm, my thought is if we are to look at the efficacy of a low-carbohydrate diet or low-fat on someone who's insulin-sensitive or insulin-resistant, a fasting insulin will reveal that better than an insulin at 30 minutes. And that's why I lean on, in, these, in the face of these two um, aspects of challenging data, I lean on the A to Z analysis more than the diet fits. But lest someone think we only have these two studies, truly, I could have brought in dozens of studies that would have compared low-fat to low-carbohydrate, and never once, to my knowledge, has there never once been a study that shows a statistically significant greater weight loss on a low-fat diet. In contrast, there are dozens that support a statistically significantly greater fat loss or weight loss on the low-carbohydrate. Now, those studies, however, didn't attempt to look at insulin-sensitive or insulin-resistant. They just found in, in everyday people, the low-carb diet beats uh, the, the low-fat diet with regards to weight loss and insulin reductions. The power with the diet fits and the A to Z analysis studies is that they did attempt 
to look at the underlying insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity status. And so we have to just compare these two studies head to head. There are inherent differences. I hope all of you can appreciate there's quite a difference in how they measured insulin resistance, fasting versus 30 minutes, and um, the amount of carbohydrates they gave them. Those, they, those differences are just so great. 130 grams per day at 30% of calories as opposed to about 50 grams per day, roughly 10% of calories. Pretty meaningful differences difference. between the two. Yeah. Well, Jack, I have a, I have a comment. Eight years ago when I jumped on this, um, when I started looking at um, the science behind you know, high fat, low carb, I was, you know, I was implementing the zone diet to our clients. I mean, that, that was it eight to ten years ago. I mean, the zone diet was really popular. Yeah. Um, and it helped people initially because most of my clients were on the, on the American standard, and the standard American diet. They were off of the zone diet, kind of helped them bring it in, yep. eat better, and it helped, but not long term. And I was frustrated, and that's when I really started to look at the data, and that's when I made the switch eight years ago, and it just hasn't even compared. Yeah, right. I mean, the success, I mean, I don't know about Especially these studies. because you work with people that come in almost always that are somewhere towards type 2 diabetes. They come in, most of them are overweight, insulin resistant. I mean, Ben, almost, it's, it's almost frightening. Almost 100% of our clients that come in, I mean, it's just... Oh my gosh! It's just their diabetes medication is gone. Their you know, hypertension medication is yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, we don't focus on weight loss, but you know, they typically lose a lot of adipose tissue when they do yep. this, and they feel better. They're able to fast, and and I mean, I guess and you could come up with a thousand studies here, but Mars study at at my gym and implementing insulin IQs program, it's just a no brainer. Thank you for listening to the Metabolic Classroom. This podcast is brought to you by Insulin IQ. Nutrition and lifestyle coaching for insulin control and better health. Learn more at insuliniq.com. And Health Code, the world's healthiest and most delicious meal replacement shake. Learn more at Get Health. That's G E T H L T H dot com. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at Insulin IQ. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 